The Talk of the Street is brought to you by Donahue Solicitors, an award-winning firm of expert compensation claims lawyers. Donahue Solicitors represents claimants throughout England and Wales in their civil actions against the police, data breach, personal injury, and professional negligence claims. To start your compensation claim, go to www.donahue-solicitors.co.uk or call 08000-124-246 today. It's not your fault. Well, I know it might not seem like it now, but... Well, it's probably done you a favour in the long run, hasn't it? A favour? Yeah. Well, he was thinking of you, wasn't he? What, do you think he's all noble or something? <laughs> well, no. But, I mean, he's hurting too. Oh, my heart bleeds for him, Michelle. <laughs> Congratulations on raising an emotionally stunted man-child. <clears throat> In fact, no. Wait a minute. You didn't raise him, did you? Welcome to episode 73 of the Talk of the Street, an unofficial Coronation Street Catch-Up podcast that might have only had four episodes to watch this week, and while the <laughs> acting in the storylines covered was really good, it's just... <sighs> I'm Gavin. And I'm basic. You're basic. I'm basic. I'm, I'm drinking pumpkin spice. Oh God, it's that time <laughs> of year, is it? A pumpkin spice latte by any chance? It's not a latte, it's just a pumpkin spice flavoured regular coffee with sweet cream. It's like I don't know who you are anymore. No, you know exactly no, I know exactly who you are. You know. <laughs> this is not a surprise to you. I don't like pumpkin spice, it's like cinnamon. There's no business being in anything. Cinnamon and nutmeg and all those delicious things that also go into pumpkin pie. Mm. Besides the pumpkin. Mm. It's good. You like pumpkin pie. I like pumpkin pie. Yeah. One time a year. I wouldn't, I wouldn't eat it constantly throughout fall. <laughs> oh. And nor would I drink whatever that is. Pumpkin spice coffee. Well, that's what you said. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm. It's delicious. I like it. How's your week been? Oh, pretty good. Pretty good. You know, same old stuff, basically. Um... Had a writer's workshop tonight with just me and one other person, but that was okay because she loved my story. <laughs> she but, but did offer okay. she did offer some, you know, Give some suggestions, talk, so. but because that's know, the whole point, right? Yes, that's absolutely the whole point. But she really liked the way I was able to weave metaphor in there. You no, know? so she was pleased. fancy. Have Have you gotten around to reading that story yet? Which one? Excuse me, I have a phone call from a <laughs> from a robot. Hello? Angela, we're currently conducting a survey for your local public school district, and I was hoping to include your opinions. Sir, do you currently reside in Bay, Texas, in Charlotte Public Schools? No. No, you're not in Charlotte? Okay, well, thank you for answering our calls. You have a great night, okay? Oh, you take care. Bye-bye. Well, that was unusual, because <laughs> normally it's either we're phoning about your warranty for your car, or we're phoning from Visa Mastercard, or I'm a Nigerian prince who wants your money, <laughs> or somebody speaking to me in Chinese. 
That actually sounds like a genuine call. Yeah, yeah. It's too bad we don't live in Charlotte. Because <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm pretty sure she meant Charlotte, not Charlotte. Well, she's probably not from here. So. Charlotte is the next town over. Yeah. <laughs> well, that was fun. <laughs> That's the person that's happened on the podcast. <laughs> how was your... How was your day? How was your week? I'm um, a week. Uh, my back's feeling a little bit better. Oh, good. Good. Just can, in time for you to... I can move about a little bit better. To fly away from me. Right. I'm so sad. I've had to change my hotel room. Oh, in fact, I've had to change my hotel. <clears throat> yes. The one I was previously booked into was deemed by somebody who'd stayed there in my department as a little bit murdery. Hmm. So... So nobody's actually been murdered there. She, she just, just got a really a bad vibe. vibe about it. Like we got in wherever that was in Arkansas. Was it Arkansas or was no, it? No, it was above Arkansas. Illinois. It was uh, Tennessee. Was it? Yeah. Yeah, there's far too many needles in the parking lot. <laughs> Let's just not stay here. Let's just drive through. I, I kind of had that a little Aww. bit of vibe to it. But Aww. yeah, other than that. Can't complain. No offence, Tennessee. We do love you. But your border area hotels leave a little bit to be desired. Yeah, but I mean, that could be said for any state in the Union. So we just drove to to Little Rock and that was lovely. Yes, that was nice. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I'm going camping this weekend. So that's why we were recording on Thursday. Oh, well, plus the fact that... Plus there's no episodes right. on Friday. So it worked out really well. So recording... Like we, we scheduled this. I know, it's this is perfect. It is perfect. we get Monday off as well. Right. Then we only have Wednesday and Friday. I and think, you'll be back by Friday. I think they're going to kill us though, the week after and maybe like slot oh, an extra episode in there. Oh. <laughs> so we're doing seven episodes in this the week. This is the only television I watch. Yeah, me too. It's the only television I watch, and the only reason why I watch it is because of the podcast. <laughs> and, and that you love it. Well, yeah, but there's a lot of TV that I love that I never watch because I'm too busy to watch, but I make time for this because if I don't, then it would be a very we short podcast. We don't have podcast. a podcast, right? <laughs> <laughs> uh, shall we make unnecessary noises, my yes. dear? Yes, let's make some unnecessary noises. And then preamble. Wink, wink. Nudge, nudge. No. Preamble? Aww. Let's preamble. Corey News. I have no Corey News. Oh, for fuck's <laughs> I thought I told you earlier that I just, I, I wasn't going to have time to get, to get some Corey News stuck in there. Uh, Tilsley Dale is still in the, uh. Still not her name. (laughs) Catherine Tilsley is still in uh, Dancing with the Stars. And everybody's lives are happy. And maybe somebody had a birthday this week. Corey News. So awful. (laughs) It was the Inside Soap Awards week this week as well. It was. It was. Okay. And, And Corey didn't win very much. Maureen Lipman, though. Maureen Lipman got best. Fabulous. She's, oh my god, she looks so good. I want to be her when I grow up. She's a, Forget Rue, Rula. Although it's really cool that they are roommates. Can you imagine? Oh my god, the drinking. <laughs> the drinking that must go on in that apartment. She won Best Newcomer. 
As as is as a woman of a certain age, she she deserves it. I thought that was just absolutely brilliant, fan freaking tastic. <laughs> yep, yep, good for her. <laughs> now, did Corey win anything else? I didn't win. I didn't win best soap because I went to Hollyoaks of all things. Yeah, Hollyoaks and EastEnders tends to be darker. Carla won. She won the Yay. best episode thing Ooh, for her who, mental breakdown. Who won, uh, what is it, best um, Best bad girl? Was it one of our bad girls? No. Oh, boo! No, no I, I think it was EastEnders that won that one. Oh. I, I could be wrong, but it wasn't. I, love- I think there was only really two awards that they won. Maureen Lippman and... Inside uh, Soap. Can you make it sound more obvious that you're just looking this up just now? <laughs> Awards 2018. Yeah, Hollyoaks won uh, Best Soap for the first time in the history of the awards. So that's that's, that's good a, for them. Good for them. That's Channel 4 soap. It's kind of aimed at youngsters a little bit more than Corey Reestenders is. Youngsters. Yes, so it's beautiful people in mm-hmm. Cheshire somewhere. Oh, that's so adorable. The best that seen... Uh, Best newcomer is Maureen Lipman, and then the best young actor is this wee girl from EastEnders, who looks really cute. They look really cute together. So yes, Maureen Lipman won best newcomer. Oh yeah, see, Ammerdale and EastEnders both won the best bad girl and the best bad boy. Sorry, Ben Price fan page. Because wasn't Ben Price up for best bad boy? I don't know if he made the shortlist. But his cards were kind of marked when he wasn't revealed to be the villain. Yes, best showstopper. Carla's mental health episode in Coronation right. Street. Oh! <laughs> Sally Divinor won Soap Superstar. Mm-hmm. Our Sally Metcalf. Yes, yeah, she got a, a, essentially a Lifetime Achievement Award. Fantastic. She's like our age. How is she winning a Lifetime Achievement Award? Because she's been in it for like 25 years. Still. <laughs> And that's she's, it. She's, she's well deserving of that. That's it. Well done. Well done. Three women from not, Corey. Not a great year for Corey. Yeah, that's all right. Do you think this means that Corey will go darker next year as far as and broodier and not be as fun? Because isn't that the thing with EastEnders and um, Hollyoaks is that they're more... Stabby and deathy and fights and <laughs> darkness and... I don't watch EastEnders, but no. I do listen to the EastEnders weekly podcast. Right. And I get the idea Hello. from that. <laughs> I get the idea from that that it is... Well, it's kind of dark, but yeah. it's always been kind of dark. Right, yeah. Emmerdale was Prettier. always a little bit more uh, light. Right. Well, I haven't seen that in... Ages. I don't know how long. There are no Emmerdale podcasts, so... What? What are we doing doing a Corey podcast? <laughs> I'm not sure. <laughs> We're not I, I, doing an Emmerdale no, no, podcast. No. And I don't know about the, the Hollyoaks. Hmm. But, uh Interesting. No, it, it was a transitional year, I think, for yeah. Coronation Street moving I think from so. yeah. one producer to another. And Absolutely. And I think they're doing a bang-up job. And I think next year, we're going to win all the awards. Well, whatever. We should. They should have a um a category for best soap opera based 
podcast <laughs> and they'd have to fly us out <laughs> from Michigan to where is it held? London, Manchester, where is it held? Oh, somewhere. Somewhere in England. Because I'm assuming it's England. It's always England, isn't yeah, it'd it? Yeah, it be England, yeah. Meh. Oh, such confidence. No offense, England. <laughs> but yeah, because we are awesome. We I, are. I don't think it's up to us to say that. <laughs> but it's true. I say it because it's true. It's not bragging if it's true. No, it is. <laughs> no. It is. <laughs> not bragging if it's true. I'm probably going to cut that out. <laughs> I'm American. I like to boast about myself. I like to underplay it. Yeah, seriously. I've seen the numbers. I know I've, what I'm talking I'm about. Constantly. Our mailbag. <laughs> Moving on. John got in touch and I said, don't... another excellent and humorous review, guys. Apparently we were cool. quite funny last week. Were we? We're always <laughs> funny. Aren't we? Ben Price Fan Club has been laughing in public. Yeah, she has to be. I, she she didn't say what she was laughing out loud at, though. I'm trying to think because we didn't have our WWE thing, which I thought was quite funny. That was like two two weeks ago. So what was she listening to from last week that was so funny? I haven't listened back, so I don't know. <laughs> Agree that the Dev Asher scenes were outstanding. Also liked Mary's part in that story. He doesn't agree with Summer, though. He's still not a fan. But he is Team Gary. I love the way that he has developed with everything falling into his lap after all the trouble he has had to endure in the past. Also surprised, neither of you mentioned Annie Lennox. I thought that was just low-hanging fruit, to be <laughs> honest. The whole Annie Lennox I didn't realise until he mentioned it. I, I like, oh, yeah. I shit, did she really because, does. I did, because I think Scott mentioned it in the uh, five things we learned on coronation street this week or something oh that sounds about right somebody else mentioned it as well and i just i saw it and i was kind of like meh it's too obvious then chris sent a very very long email i really disagree about summer though i mean i agree like in the beginning when we first started doing this she was very much like this and there was no personality at all right and we had a hard time with her but I think she has leaps and bounds found her voice. I think so too. So I think she's much. Is she the best on the show? Meh. But she's young. She's got time. And she is improving. I think she's been doing a great job recently. Absolutely. All the kids are. The kids are all right. So Chris wrote in to say, I've been watching Corey my whole life, but for some reason don't even remember Kevin having a sister. <laughs> so when the pound shop Annie Lennox walked into the garage, I totally leapt to the same conclusion that Abby did, assuming this to be Kev's elusive date. I echo all the positive opinions being voiced regarding the brilliant portrayal of Asher's situation in the last week or so. Brilliant performances, he says. I thought Dev's reactions were entirely in character, and it speaks volumes about that actor's ability that we do take him seriously when his character is in a very intense emotional scene. Dev frequently behaves in an absurd and over-exaggerated comical manner, as does Steve, right. but was able to convincingly switch from my nose hair trimmers are better than Steve's boom to the shock at discovering that his daughter smeared acid all over herself. Yeah, and to be fair... And all fair, that within a couple of scenes of each other. Steve is quite good at doing that as well. Well... Going from Velociraptor to serious dad whose, whose daughter's gotten knocked up. Well, Chris, I think, has a little problem with Steve. Um, same when Steve was struggling with the discovery that Emma was his child, then attempting to find what his place in her life might be, he never seemed to be too far from lapsing into his class clown persona. And he says, I'd love 
I'd love the drama teacher, surely the Welshest man on earth. <laughs> to stay in the show, he was hilarious when he was hired by Mary to come to dinner and pretend to be a bullying marine biologist. Do you remember that? No, because that was before we started. No, the we did watch this. I don't remember mm-hmm. it. And no, because Jude was no longer pretending to be a marine biologist at the time. Jude got these two characters to come over. No, was it Mary that was it Mary or Jude? These two characters came over to pretend to be marine biologists for the purposes of the dinner that he was having. Right. I thought that was when we were doing we, this. No, 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 no. He had already been found out by the time um, Aiden died. So Chris thinks that he's a real asset to the cast. Yes. I tend to agree. He has his little yes. lovely jumper thing on. Right, yes. His tight pants. Hindsight corner. <laughs> Thank you to all the people who got in touch to tell me I forgot to put in the Corey News thing before that segment last week. <laughs> I could have sworn I put it in because it's my favourite one. I hadn't noticed. I, didn't I hadn't it noticed it wasn't, it wasn't there when I listened. And the reason it's my favourite, it's Morse code for Corey News. <laughs> You're such a nerd. I really am. And if you see Pat Smear, please say, hi Pat Smear. Hi, Pat Smear. And that's I, I, I'm not looking at Pat Smear at the moment, so I haven't seen him. But still, hello to Pat Smear. Is is that going to be our hello to Jason Isaacs from now Yes, on? that's what I'm going for. Yeah. <laughs> Shall we dive in with you? Yes, A shortened week this week. Woohoo! <sighs> a tough week, though. A tough week, but I do enjoy just having four episodes to get through. It's... I thought some of it's the. It's like on vacation. This. I thought some of the, um, especially, especially last night's episodes. I thought some of the sequencing was rather odd. I was rather surprised that Ken's soliloquy didn't end the episode. All right. Yeah. But because it was really deep and moving, and you you would think that that would be what you would want to end on. I'm not a fan of soliloquy voiceovers on on Corey as you may remember from our episode one yeah this one was good though it I was liked it, it was it was better anyway anyway our we'll first storyline to tonight is Ali the addict I was right I was right you've, Ali's back you've... on the drugs I'm right <laughs> woohoo hooray hooray on I'm Monday. right Max is selling drugs and Ali's doing drugs Woo-hoo! Ali has fallen asleep in Roy's rolls when Ryan comes in and takes a photo while Beth steals his breakfast which why would Beth steal <laughs> oh he's asleep I'm gonna steal his breakfast right. what <laughs> that was so, weird Ali stirs and claims that Maria can't keep her hands off him and the three night shifts that he's put in are really taking it out on him nobody believes him Ryan suspects that there's more to it than that but Ali pushes by him go fuck yourself he says so Ali goes to visit Maria and Lima's off school with a dicky tummy or whatever. So Ali offers to watch the kid. Oh. Uh oh. Ali has earned so many brownie points, she's in danger of really falling for him, she says. Aww. Ali has already fallen for her. And they winch, which makes Liam blow chunks a wee bit. He yes. really did have a dodgy stomach. As did we. And now Claudia's boring Emma about her excursion when a smoke alarm goes off in the flat above the salon. Along comes Gary, who takes the keys from Emma. And along comes Gary. And they run to the rescue. And his stupid hair. 
Half the street bundles into the flat to find Maria's oven belching smoke and Ali asleep on the couch. And Ryan is curious to know how exactly you fall asleep through a fire alarm and or smoke alarm. smoke all over the place. Although people do tend, people do sleep through those. That's how people die in these things. Right, yeah. yeah. So later Ali's fretting about what happened and Maria's not fucking chuffed in the slightest. Maria yeah. doesn't understand how this could happen. Absolutely. And neither does Ali. Uh-huh. Maria trusted him, and while they're talking, Ryan discovers a blister pack in Ali's jacket, Uh-oh. which he deftly pockets for himself. Kind of looks like like Max's blister pack for his riddle. A little bit, yeah. Ali's, Ali's uh, new dealer is Max. <laughs> Back, wouldn't that be a twist? <laughs> Back home, Ryan continues to give Ali a hard time. He says Ali is an addict and produces a strip of pills that Ali insists are for heartburn. Th- th- right. This is the sound of everyone believing Ali. Ryan finds this difficult to believe. And he quickly realises that not only is Ali back on the drugs, he never gave them up in the first place. And Ali blames work again. Ryan doesn't think Ali can go on like this. He can't sit back and let Ali destroy his life and put people in, people in danger. Sort your life out before someone gets hurt, says Ryan. Ryan is... The, the voice of reason brother in now. this one. Yeah. All of a sudden, he's the responsible one of the two of them. That's a switch. It's like uh, in um, World's End when Nick Frost is the most responsible one and Simon Pegg is the loser who, who doesn't have a steady job and drinks too much. Yeah, the difference being, though, that at no point in World's End was the situation different. What do you mean? Well, Simon Pegg was never the responsible one. He was... But Ali was the responsible one in this storyline and now has become Simon Pegg not responsible. more responsible than Nick Frost in Hot Fuzz and but that's a in different uh, movie, Shaun though. of the Dead. And also a different movie. Yes, but it's all the uh, Coronado trilogy. Which though. isn't a trilogy. It is, because no, there's three of them. They don't, they don't, and they they all don't have merge a Coronado in They all have a Coronado in them. They're not one story, though. No. But <laughs> so, you seem to be dying on a really, really shaky hill here. <laughs> You still kind of think of them as a No, set. you don't. You really don't. They're different movies. They're all different movies. Right. Well, there are <laughs> there are books in the Chronicles of Narnia with completely different characters than than other books. And yet they're all part of the same trilogy. But but what we're talking about here is the same show. Um, we are spending far too much time on Because you seem to be really reluctant to admit just, that you're just... I was just making an interesting observation and then you turned it into an argument about whether or not the Cornetto Trilogy is truly a trilogy. When everybody it calls it the Cornetto Trilogy. But it's not a trilogy, though. Fine. There you're right. Thank you. You're not. I am, though. I really am. Anyway, back to the story. No, I've, I've got all the time in the world to talk. No, okay. <laughs> so, Maria is conducting the post-mortem with Emma, who thinks they're both good together. Uh, that's Ali and Maria, that is. And this was just a mistake. And then Ali buzzes himself into the flat. Maria apologises for her reaction, and Ali suggests that they split up. Yeah, because he's an asshole who doesn't want to give up the drugs. And Maria's confused and it's Ali leaves without explaining. It's too hard to give up the drugs, so I'm just going to give up my relationship instead. Why does not just tell her? Because then she'd break up with him. Well, it's a lot well, easier for well, him to break up with her. Well, then you, you, you end up broken up. Right, right. But you forget the fragile male ego because you're one of the few men who doesn't have one. <laughs> well, 
because not, not you according to the Cornetto trilogy conversation unicorn. we just had. <laughs> <laughs> because you are a unicorn among men who are so secure in your masculinity. I just I, I don't except understand. When it comes to movies. I don't understand why he just didn't. Because because he has to be the one to break it off. He doesn't want her breaking up with him. He has to be the one to break it off. He has to be the one in control of the situation. And he doesn't want to give up the drugs, so he has to give up Maria. I don't know if he doesn't want to give up the drugs. I don't think he wants to give up the drugs. I don't think he can. He's not trying. He's not trying. He's not even he's not even putting in any sort of effort. He's not saying, "Okay, well, I will maybe go to counseling or you're right. Here, take my drugs and don't let me have them back." Well, that's true. He's last not, week, he's not making any sort of attempt. Was it last week or the week before that he was supposed to be going right. cold turkey and then just stopped? Right, but he didn't really. He just and said he, just he started did. scoring again. Right. Hmm. Hmm. So Ali wakes up to a knock at the door. This is later, and he's back at his flat. Correct. And guess who it is? Who? It's Maria. Of course, who else is it going to be? She's fuming again and she's owed an explanation. She says, Ali's not quite at the races and Maria assumes that he's been drinking, which Ali says that, yeah, he admits to it. Yeah. Because he can't admit to... Taking drugs. Right. He says she's better off without him. an acceptable addiction. He calls himself a disaster and he claims that he didn't sign up for Liam, he's too young, and maybe Maria is too old for him, and he doesn't love her, and she calls him pathetic... And storms out, and then Ali throws a glass at the door. How many glasses have been thrown at that door recently? A lot. Quite a few, I think. I, a lot. I can't imagine that poor uh, Michelle has. They may not a, have any glasses. A complete left. set. No. 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 So Ali's trying to clear up when Ryan comes in. Ali says he's split with Maria because of Ryan. She was the one good thing that kept him from going off the rails. Mm, really? Mm, you really? Were, you were off the rails there, pal. Ryan points out that he's the only person trying to help him. But you know what? Ryan's done and he's not going to lie for him anymore. And then on cue, in comes Michelle. What the hell has happened? And Ali admits to splitting up with Maria and Ryan leaves before he has to lie. And then, and then Michelle automatically assumes that it's Maria's fault that they split up because who would ever, ever in their right mind, split up with her precious, precious child. Right. Because now, Michelle is awful. <laughs> and yes, she's a complete whore bag this week. And last week as well. Utterly dreadful. She's just... They're, they're working really hard to make sure we don't miss her. But we're supposed to. I'm sure that the Michelle character is high in the echelons of the Coronation Street canon. Meh. I think she's supposed to be a character that we, we enjoy. Meh. I don't think I ever have. Yeah. No. Ali explains about Liam from earlier and that he's not ready to look after a kid. He wants to drop it, but she grabs her bag in a not-really-going-to-drop-it kind of way. Then the rovers, Michelle checks on Maria and apologises for the way things worked out. Maybe Ali did Maria a favour, she says. Michelle says he was only thinking of Maria, and Maria can't quite believe this. Congratulations on raising an emotionally stunted man-child. Oh wait, you didn't you can't even take credit for that because you're not the one who raised him. That's right. <laughs> Except Michelle twice. didn't raise him. And Gary intervenes and pulls the two of them apart and Robert ushers Michelle out the door. Then Sarah sees Gary and Maria together, and this is listed under things that make her go, hmm. hmm. I really wanted to have lined up for that. The things that make you go, hmm. hmm. But I don't. Oh well. Oh well. Things have, that should be a thing. We, we, Things we, sang, it. Go, hmm. we, we sang it, so it's fine. Ryan finds Ali in the community garden and offers his support. Definitely not, says Ali. I'm not sure what that means. 
It means he doesn't want his support. Oh, I'll, oh yeah. And so thank God, <laughs> says Ryan. And Ali appreciates that. And Ryan just wants Ali sorted properly. And then lastly, Maria hugs Gary on her way out. And Sarah asks if he's interested in Maria. And he knows that she's been sticking her nose and Maybe Maria is just the girl Gary needs, he says. And despite insisting that she's not a jealous ex, that's kind of how Sarah comes across. But she's not. We know she's not. No. Because she's with someone with much better hair now. Oh, voluminous hair. <laughs> yes, lush hair. Lush? Lush. He needs a fucking haircut. Let's, lush. Let's be honest. We've seen him without the hair gel. <laughs> let's remember. Mass industrial it's strength hair gel to hold that lush. look back. So that's, that's as far just, as we get with that. That's just the, the kind of hair you just want to stick your fingers in. And not all just, that gelling. Well, no, not with the gel. And just go. This is a podcast, remember? <laughs> you seem to be doing breaststroke on... <laughs> On Adam's head. On Adam's head. And not like that. <laughs> or maybe like that. <laughs> Crackle. <laughs> so where do you think we're going with this one then? Kind of sick of Ali being on the drugs. Oh, this... you didn't mention uh, what happened today. Nothing happened today. Yeah. No, because Where... it's Thursday. Nothing happened today. Well, no, Nothing yesterday. Yes, I did. You, about the garden? About Maria and Gary working in the community garden together and Ali standing across the street and brooding. Oh, no, I didn't mention that. Sarah saying, um, what are you admiring Gary's hair? Which made me laugh out loud because nobody could admire Gary's hair because it's awful. <laughs> no, I didn't mention and that. And then Sarah saying that Gary works quick. So if you want uh, Maria back, you'd better get a move on there, pal. Yeah, I kind of cut that out. It seemed to be on nothing kind of scene. Quite a few, nothing kind of scenes on Wednesday. It, it, it seemed like it was it was something because it showed that uh, that maybe things are moving rather quickly between Maria and Gary, maybe hooking up, which it's doesn't work. Not a good thing. Nope. No. And well, I'm still sick of Ali being. And it's sad. It, and it's good to see that Ali is remorseful about losing Maria. It's good that he has some sort of soul in there. I kind of like how. That there are consequences to the whole Ronan thing. Yes. Because normally these are just kind of blown over. And right, yeah. Six weeks later, you're absolutely fine. So I'm mm-hmm. glad that almost a year later, he's ca- still, still kind of struggling yeah. with this. But oh, it's just Right, because we knew that he was struggling. And uh, so, and it did seem like it was kind of being blown over. So. But this kind of switch of Ali and Ryan. I don't know. It's interesting. It's It's interesting to see Ryan kind of showing a different side of himself i mean he's really grown as a character even though he can't pay gary back until he gets beaten up but i don't know it's it's nice to see change even if the change doesn't make sense (laughs) okay let's go with that sure our next storyline tonight is all about asha's arms on Monday, it's breakfast at the Allahans and Dev has gone nuclear on the kids and banned all electronics. From both of them. Addy understandably feels that this is a little bit unfair. Yeah, because <laughs> it he is. he did nothing wrong. But Dev doesn't want I to hear it. I bet they're now wishing that they hadn't kicked Mary out. And throws him out to school. He and Asha have some business to take care of today. And that business is to go and take Asha to see the fabulous... Dr. Gaddis. Dr. Gaddis. 
Liz thinks this is a great idea because she's working reception today. Mm-hmm. Dr. Gallus is a wonderful doctor Ugh, and her. is also fabulous. She is. No sooner has Asha sat down and Gallus calls her and she and Dev go through to her office. And the people sitting behind them who are sitting and waiting longer than they were <laughs> yeah. look kind of pissed off. What the fuck? It's like, wait a second. We were here first. This happens quite a lot though. <laughs> Especially in a practice like that when there's several doctors. Right, yeah. Yeah, but still, it was kind of funny because the guy really did look like he had an annoyed look on his face. Like, wait a second. (laughs) We were here first. So well done. Well done, extra. With no lines for injecting yourself in there. An actor in a non-speaking role. Yes. Gadas thinks that the skin might be permanently damaged and actually could end up darker once it heals. Yeah. Please stop using these creams, she says. But Asha defends them, she says, in India, everyone's doing it. Gala suggests talking to someone about how she's feeling, and Dev jumps in to suggest what a great idea that is before Asha can say a word. Toya for perhaps, maybe. Or, seriously, speak to Yasmin. No, well, what Dr. Gadas is suggesting is somebody, a professional counsellor. Which Yasmin is not a professional counsellor. Do you think Toya counselor. has any experience of this? Toya is a professional counsellor. Who has no experience of this. Well, she may not have experience with this, but she has probably experience dealing with clients who have low self-esteem and are prone to self-harm because of their low self-esteem. Because let's be honest, that's at the heart of it. That's what this, this is. is. Yep. It's self-harm. It is true. You know? Back home, Dev tells Asha how proud he was of her today. The two of them share some nice chat about how out of touch Dev is and how long it took him to figure out what a hashtag was. That's so cute. <laughs> it's like you and the uh, Vasco kid. I still don't know what that is. And I still don't know what that is. I just learned today that the whole thing after you say anayup is meant to be a hydro flask. I don't know what that is. A flask of water. It makes that sound when you drink it because I, I guess what i don't know the only the only introduction i had to and Ayoop is that meme with the um drag queen on it and she says and Ayoop, and then and she's wearing really dangly earrings and she blinks and it's a great meme and you can use it in any situation i have no idea what has been talked about right <laughs> so dev says that he loves them and thinks that Sunita would be so proud of them. And Asha says that she misses her mum, and so does Dev. And then there <laughs> she is. She doesn't miss them. For, she doesn't miss Dev from the grave, though. And then Asha's there is mom. an amazing scene that has almost no dialogue, where Asha looks herself in the mirror and holds up half a face of one of her light-skinned Bollywood heroes that's just ripped out of a magazine, and covers her own face with that half of it. And that worked out really well, I thought. It was incredible. The, <laughs> it was that, 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 so well shot. That rip just is, is perfectly placed. Right. And then Dev calls her down for dinner and the spell is broken. I'm not sure if she's... Well, she's not rehabilitated. That's that's clear from the that last scene there where she's still seen herself as being this... Essentially, uh, white person now. Or yeah, well, she she wants to be this white person. She sees herself as being disgusting and ugly because she's not white enough. But she knows now that the that cream isn't helping her. And in fact, it's going to make her darker. Right. 
and Dev knows about it. Right, and she can't and get any more it. of those creams. So I'm but kind like of worried I, about where this is going to go. Yeah, like I said, it, at, the, at the heart of this, it seems like an awful lot of it is down to low self-esteem and, and self-harming. So I'm, I'm concerned that she might turn to other forms of, of self-harm or, you know, make home skin lighteners, which might actually be better because they're natural. But still, we need to get to the heart of her self-esteem issues right. and feeling like she's dirty and disgusting. So she needs a professional counselor. Dev doing a decent job, do you think? I think he's doing better than can be expected, honestly. I think he's he's really... He's really... I don't like the whole, I'm taking all of your electronics away. No, I don't like that either. That's a kind of reaction that sort of seems, thing. That seems a bit extreme. Mm-hmm. Especially if you're doing it to both kids, so then one kid is going to be angry at the other kid and it's going to cause problems between the siblings. Right. Um... But the fact that afterwards he said he was proud of her and um, and everything, I thought and that was... And his mother would be proud of her. Yeah. Or her mother would be proud her, of her. Yeah. Which, uh, that actress, I don't know, did you see? She tweeted about it. Right. Saying, oh, Asha, I wish I could be there. And, and <laughs> somebody tweeted at her asking, you know, What's what's that the, character's up? What is she up to these what's days? What's up to these days? And she said... She did. <laughs> that was hilarious. <laughs> and then people are like, well, you never know. People come back from the grave all the time in soap operas. And maybe she has a twin sister and everything. It was that hilarious. Was a, that was a tweet of the week until Colleen Rooney became Wagatha <sighs> Christie. <laughs> I do like Wagatha Christie. I, I, That's I, very clever. Yeah. I wish I'd thought of that. Not a chance I was going to think of that. Not, not a chance that you were going to think of it first. No. Our next storyline tonight, then, we're firing through this, is The Wondrous Lies of Robert Preston. On Monday, Robert's back from a wee jog, and Michelle, ever determined to make something about her, wonders if this is how he takes out his aggression about Ray. Yeah, whatever, says Robert. Michelle talks about a business meeting at the bistro uh, today, but Robert says that he's going to work from home, and Michelle tries to muscle in on this action, but he says that there's no sense in both of them doing the same thing. Or something. And then Liz bumps into Michelle later and they have some low-level bants about Steve and Tracy in Venice. Because Steve and Tracy did go to Venice. Right. (laughs) Did they not take Amy? Who knows? Because... And where's Simon? Because... (laughs) Because... and, And Peter and Carla are in Venice as well, I believe. Right. Yeah. But Amy, as you'll recall, last week, she got... She... She... Was involved in that whole thing with Asha and and stuff. And she was a super best friend for Asha. Right. During, during all that. Yeah, so did Steve Come on, and then. Tracy leave Amy <laughs> so it when seemed. Claudia had bought all of that for the whole family? That doesn't make any sense that they would leave their child. This has got Tracy written all over it. Yeah, yeah, maybe. Although so, Adam doesn't seem to have gone either. So the bands that they have... And Sarah. They talk about the last time that uh, they went away and Tracy left, Steve for dead in a, in a desert. Right. And Aggie's like, what, what? the <laughs> fuck are you guys talking about? What have I gotten myself into? Then Liz asks if Robert is working in the hotel where uh, the wedding was. Uh, she's just dropped him off there. So that was the same hotel then. 
Okay. And yeah, Robert is really smart getting Liz to drop him off in the taxi. Seriously. Why why not? Remember when there was this rival taxi uh company? Use them. Yeah, what happened to them? Because they're not around anymore. Just you use them. See, you never see one of those I'll get cabs. A bus. You never see one of those cabs anymore. Michelle is confused. What to them? And Robert is supposed to be working from home and also should have the sense not to use a local taxi form to be vague about. Liz wonders if maybe Robert is planning a surprise or summit, she says. Right. But instead, Robert is sitting at the bar at the hotel having a drink when Michelle arrives, angry that Robert is fighting her battles with Ray, all because of his stupid male pride. Sure. This is <laughs> this is going to make everything worse, especially with his record, because he's been in jail and stuff. Robert reluctantly agrees, and they both go to leave. So we don't get to see this this amusing situation where Robert pretends to be Steve McDonald in a... Uh... In a job interview, right. which I was really looking forward to. Right. <laughs> Robert, we're just going to pull like random Muppet faces during them. <laughs> Again, it's a podcast, Helen. So <laughs> that's fine. Okay. So back <coughs> back at the bistro, Michelle has just got a call from her travel agent because she has a travel agent. Who knew that was still a thing? Because it's 1985. <laughs> She's got a half price vacation to Mallorca, but they have to leave tonight. Robert thinks that's impossible. Oh, come on, says Michelle. Which would you rather? Wake up here and have a hard day working in the bistro kitchen or wake up to the sound of the ocean and me lying naked beside you? You did. And I put a little a poll <laughs> on Twitter about this. Where 81% would rather just go to work. At the bistro. Thanks very much. <laughs> After a lot of thought... <laughs> <laughs> he goes for the latter and goes off to phone the recruitment agency, a.k.a. Irish Tina. <laughs> so Robert's at Irish Tina's claiming the cookery course from Mallorca was in the books ages ago. Irish Tina wanted him there for her next appointment as Why this was Mallorca, the time <laughs> that she lost her last kid. Robert <laughs> thinks this tapas course will make him a better chef. And, Irish and Tina then he can make more money for the wee one. Reluctantly gives him a pass and Robert promises to call home. Every night. Every night. How's he going to pull that off? I don't think he's going to. It was nice to see Irish Tina. We hadn't seen her in a while. I was starting to worry about her. I almost started watching Derry Girls this week. Yay! But then I started watching this thing about people pretending to be in jail. <laughs> Ooh. Which is... That was pretty good. I'm, I'm sure it is, but I really want you to watch Dairy Girls because it's so good. Is it funny? It's funny. It's funny. Okay. It's funny and and th- and thought provoking and interesting. It's you know that comedy that, according to Todd Phillips, can't be made anymore. Except it keeps on getting made. Yeah, by people better than him. Well, <laughs> who just happen to also be women. So this, I think, is just. A little bit of stuff happening because we're getting to a point where Lots Michelle's of going to find out, or Irish Tina's going to find out, or they're both going to find or out. Or Tracy's going to find out, and Tracy's going to tell everyone, right. and she's going to make their lives miserable, and that'll be good. Is that the way that you'd rather this landed, that Tracy finds out? Kinda, because we haven't had a good Tracy being evil storyline in a while. She's not really been evil. She's just no. She's been evil. Yeah, it's kind of evil. I guess. But it's but it's it but it's a it's a necessary evil. It's a stable evil. 
it's a good kind of evil it, you know it's a it's a righteous evil because it needs to be done but she's doing it for the wrong reasons she'll be doing it to make robert suffer that's it she's doing the right thing for the wrong reasons right yeah. yes our next storyline tonight is sophie's studies i've gone for alterations this week i don't know why i'm surprised you didn't go with sophie's choice Oh, that's what I should have done, yeah. He totally should have done that. On Monday, Debbie is dressed to kill at the funeral. Uh, Sophie thinks that she looks fab and Debbie talks about wiring the money to Rosie as soon as she gets it and Jack is excited that this means they'll finally get that fucking holiday. Damn right, says Debbie. You guys need to come visit me. In, in Turkey. Which, which is a really probably not a really great place to visit right now. Unfortunate. <laughs> unfortunate that that happened. Debbie may not be able to get back to Turkey right now. Yeah, that this might prove it a little tricky. Yeah. So, anyway, she reveals she's leaving as soon as the funeral's over, and Sophie seems enamoured with Debbie's free spirit and sass, but Paula's left to wonder what the actual. And outside, Paula wonders what Sophie's covering for, worried that Debbie thinks that she's a cougar. But Sophie puts her right, that's not the case at all. I think uh, Debbie just wants Sophie to just love a little. Really? Isn't it? Have a bit of fun? Yeah. And what's wrong with being a cougar? There's nothing wrong with being a cougar. There's nothing wrong with being an older woman with a younger lover. There's nothing wrong with it. Nothing wrong with it. So... Nothing. And part of uh, Chris's email that I I didn't read out... Uh-oh. If Paula was a man and Sophie was Sophie and heterosexual would that be creepy no because they're adults and so Paula's in her 50s and Sophie's in her Paula's in her late. 40s no she's in her 50s because she's the same age as Sally yeah but Sally's in her 40s no. Sally's our age isn't she no I thought she was so like a 20 25 year age difference a little creepy Dudes do it all the time. Dudes do do it all the time. Does Dudes that make it creepy or not creepy? Do it all the time. I think it's. I. I don't think it necessarily would be creepy. Do we think uh, Catherine Zeta Jones and? Um, yes. You think that's creepy? Absolutely. Really? Mm-hmm. Benny doesn't like it. Who doesn't like it? Benny. Benny doesn't like it. Yeah, Benny was like. Very indignant about it during the uh, during the Emmys a couple of weeks ago. Oh, he's like her dad. That's <laughs> yeah, that's creepy. Eh. No offense, I'm sure they're both lovely together, but yeah. Well, she's lovely. <laughs> he's he blames his he blames throat cancer on her vagina. Right. Yeah, he's kind of he looks like a scrotum that's been <laughs> covered in vinegar for some reason. I don't know why. He's. <clears throat> Anyway, I don't know. I think that I I like I actually like Paul and Sophie. Yeah, Sophie I think together, they're a good couple. But in terms of the age difference, it is a little. She seems to have a very uh, controlling influence over her because Sophie's going back to college because Paula thinks that she should go back to college. Right. Which is a little problematic, I think. Yeah, I, and again, I think she she's doing the right thing. For possibly the wrong reasons. Or she's just... I think... I, I don't think it's necessarily creepy. You know, when they're both consenting adults. 
It's not like Sophie's like 19 or 18. Right. Yeah, it's not Bethany. You know. Yeah. Yeah, that would be creepy. So Paula manages to catch Debbie before she leaves and Paula insists that Sophie's doing great and Debbie wonders who it's great for. Is it great for Sophie or is it great for Paula? Nobody complained about um, Peter and Abby. Nobody thought that was creepy. There's a huge age difference there. And everybody was gunning for Kevin Abbey. 50s and, and 30s, isn't it? And Kevin Abbey. I think 50s and 30s is different than 50s and 20s. Yeah. At early 30s, though, yes, with Abbey? Well, I don't know, because Seb's 18, so... Yeah, but she had him really young, didn't she? No, she wasn't 10. Well, no. <laughs> hmm. She could have been, like, 16, though. Some mid thirties. Yeah. I don't know. Carry on. So Debbie's cab is ready, and she says her goodbyes, and she tells Sophie to spend her money unwisely, and off she goes. And I'm left thinking, is that it? I'm very sad about this. Maybe she'll come back. Maybe she'll come back because there's war in Turkey. Two episodes. Yeah, she needs to come back. She was a breath of fresh air. Far we too, liked her. Far too good to be in it just for two episodes. Yeah. Well, I mean, <laughs> think about poor Emily. Oh, don't you worry. We'll fucking get to that. <laughs> so on Wednesday, Kevin and Sophie are chatting with Abby about the windfall. Abby advises splashing out on wine, woman and song and then wasting the rest. Good on you, Abby. That was great. All right. She demands a celebration at the Bistro Later's. So the bistro Paul is confiding in Kev about Kate's influence on Sophie, although she insists that she's not worried that Sophie is playing around. And then Martine shows up, and seemingly Abby has tracked her down on Twitter. Uh, okay, whatever. She's apologetic for standing Kev up, claiming that she lost her phone. And Martine like her. is talking about tattoos when Abby shows up to tell Kev that they have a clear afternoon so he doesn't have to rush back anytime soon. Then Martine asks Kev where her most taboo tattoo is located and Kev seems to be looking longingly back at Abby I don't like Martine no she's awful she's She's, meant to be awful she's really awful then Paula asks Sophie what she plans to do with the money and then talks her into going off to Cambodia to meet up with Kate she should quit college because she hates it and Paula says that she'd be happy to go along with Sophie and Kev is chatting to Martin and tells her about his windfall, and this seems to interest Martin hugely. Oh, Kev, why? And she goes off for a was, which allows Abby to come over and tell him to stick on a fucking smile once in a while because he looks like death warmed up. Kev, you'd look so much prettier if you smiled. And then he smiles. <laughs> and, he, and he does. He does look... Because they've, they've changed Kev's character since this whole... Uh, Kev's rants for Bant's thing. Uh-huh. Where he became this kind of curmudgeonly... Oh! Well done. We both said the same... Yeah, we are the same person, word at the same only time. different bits. He was, he was never like that. He was the kind of salt-of-the-earth working guy. But he wasn't... He was kind of... He wasn't a Vil- Victor Meldrew. Yeah, but he was like... You know, not not hiring Abby back because she was uppity, because she punched him, because he said she was a bad mother, which he deserved to be punched for that. He was always kind of curmudgeonly. He's not like, he's not like Ken curmudgeonly, where, you know, he's like, oh, Abby. You know, he's not that kind, but 
he is a bit cur- he's always been a bit curmudgeonly i i think it's especially because he, at this point because he's surrounded by all these young people now this is why i really miss gina right because they would have been perfect together that was the couple i wanted i want gina to come back <laughs> Yeah, me too. For many reasons, but for for that especially because she brought out the good bits of Kev that it doesn't really seem like there's anything that does that except for his kids. And even then, sometimes, you know, because we got all this really interesting, conflicting stuff with him about, about Jack and Jack's needs and everything, but mm. now... You never even see Jack in his wheelchair anymore, so you kind of forget that he has. Well, he's got his one little leg. blade thing now. Right. Yeah. Well, and also his prosthetic leg, which is not the blade. He's got the blade, which is for athletics, and then the. There's going to be a time. Prosthetic. In the next few years, when they're going to forget that he's missing the leg. I think they already have. <laughs> I'm not sure they are. Because he walks around <laughs> with pants on, and you can't even tell. But I. I don't know. I don't like this Martine. I don't like the fact that Kev just burst out that he he got two hundred grand. That seems out of character. But for he's him. not interested in her, so it's not as if he's going to be. Uh, yeah, but she's going to try. But she he's not interested. That I think he still has eyes on Abby. That doesn't matter. So anyway, Paula really can just leave just like that. She wants to leave tonight, in fact. And Sophie looks flabbergasted and heavily pregnant. Yeah, they're not even trying to hide that anymore no. this week, which well, is hilarious. Put on your big coat, love. That'll do. But it doesn't. Even, you, her belly is out the whole episode, <laughs> and it's great. Fresh from having a piss, Martine wants to meet up with Kev again, and he plays it cool and isn't all that interested. She leaves, and he goes over to speak with Abby. He's not going to get in touch with her again. He's better off single. And then Sophie then announces that she and Paula are off on their travels. And at home, well, Paula reveals that she's, yeah, she's not really going to go. She's going to stay where she is. And Sophie wonders why Paula didn't just dump her. Paula insists that she did this for Sophie and she'll have a ball with Kate. And every time she spoke with Kate, her face lit up. She needs to go and live a little. And Sophie thinks Paula has had enough of her. And despite Paula insisting otherwise, Sophie storms out. And she bursts into Sally's. Paula's done the unthinkable, but Sally thinks that Paula has actually done the right thing and has sacrificed her own happiness for Sophie's sake. She thinks Sophie owes it to Paula to go and have the best time ever and stuff. And this remarkably convinces Sophie. The thing that I love about that scene is that Sophie bursts in. She tells them about it. Both Kev and Tim are like all up in arms. Outraged. Paula is... How... How dare, oh, we never liked that Paula in the first place. And Sally's the one, uh, Sally is the voice of reason saying, listen. Mm -hmm. Which is hilarious because right before she bursts in, we get Sally being so very Sally talking about how she, if things were different, she would be the word world traveler. But oh, not in Asia. She's more of a European. And oh, Paris was made for her and all this other stuff that Sally does, which he's being very, very, very Sally. I think Sally and Tim kind of reverse roles a little bit here. I think Sally would be the one that would protest and Tim would be the voice of reason. Right. Because he's far more easygoing than than Sally is. Yeah. Yeah. But it was nice to see the two dads kind of. 
Yeah. Jumping to Sophie's defence. Sophie seems to have come around and she says her goodbyes to everyone and Paula tells her to have a blast. And Sophie gets into the black cab and off she goes. To have her baby. Probably going to have a baby in that. (laughs) (laughs) That's the end of that. So that's Sophie gone. Now. To come back, presumably. Yes. Did you notice? Did you notice how Sophie... How, how Sophie's family is, is gathered around outside of the black cab. Right. All to give her hugs and say goodbye and to wish her well. And then we're inside the black cab with her as she's driving away and looking back and waving. That was nice, wasn't it? Well, that's what happens every time this happens. Except for Kate. Oh, right. right. Yes. Even Debbie got this. Even Debbie got the black cap for two episodes. So we had, I didn't, I don't think I, I counted. So we had two black cabs yes, leaving this, the street this week. This yeah. week. And Kate got how many? Zero. Zero. Was it Tim or was it Kev who was remarking that the cab needed new tyres? It was one of the streetcars. It was streetcar's number that was on uh-huh. the seven five one seven five right. one. You need to get your tires looked at, pal. Right, says Tim. So Sophie's gone. She can stop Have a baby. holding her belly in. <laughs> she can stop hiding behind tall counters. But it seems that Paula's going to be hanging about, which is quite nice. I like Paula. Yes. Yes, we were. Remember, we were worried last week that this might be the end of Paula, but it doesn't seem to be. I don't know what they're going to do with her though. Well, maybe she'll just be kind of in the background until Sophie comes back. In nine months' time. <laughs> right. Well, fair enough. Was it a satisfactory exit? Sophie and Kate. Recently? They've not been all that close together, have they? Well, they're the only lesbians, so they have to have some sort of closeness, you know. Sisters doing it for themselves, sort of. Yeah, thing. maybe. I don't know. And remember, it w- Kate was sitting next to Sophie and telling Sophie all about her travels and stuff before she left, and saying that she should come with her. Oh, that was definitely right? foreshadowing this yes. happening. But at that point, I was even thinking, why are you two talking to each other? Because they're the only lesbians in the room, so they have to. Talk so to lesbians each other. have to talk to each other yeah, and get on required. with each other. Yeah, it's a law. It's 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 like the fact that all of all of. Well, actually, no. That's no longer true that all of the homosexual men on the street know one another and have had sexual relations with one another. Or with Billy. (laughs) (laughs) Sean and Paul have both slept with Billy. James is not going to sleep with any of the three of them. Oh, I don't know about that. No, I, I don't see that happening. I don't see James... I don't see any of the three of them being James's type. Do you? I'm worried about Billy. <laughs> it's kind of a requirement now, isn't it? That you have a relationship with Billy? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Just a little worried. <laughs> Our penultimate storyline tonight is David and Shona and Stuffs. That's the official title for the storyline. And Stuffs. On Wednesday, Sarah turns up at Roy's Rolls with mail for Shona. And Shona looks like she's expecting something else, but it turns out it's a gas bill. And Sarah reveals that she's off to see David later. And true enough, that's what she's doing. And then there's a hairy bloke next to them with his gran. 
and the bloke, all covered in pain, he's sitting behind him. David asks after Max and Sarah explains that he's not great but he's back on his meds and seems to be coming round. David asks if Shona enjoyed her birthday yesterday, which is news to Sarah, who promises to make it up to her. And then <laughs> David... Is, how does this family... How does this family get on without David telling each of them when their birthdays are? Because remember, it was Shona who came mm-hmm. in and David had to tell her that it was his dead wife's birthday. David needs to share his calendar with people. <laughs> That's what needs to happen. They all need to get on Google Calendar and, and synchronize their calendars together. That's kind of what I'm going for. Yep. So da- David spies a hairy bloke, nick a phone from his grand sock and then stuff it up his sleeve. And Sarah's making it up to Shona later uh, back on the street and they have a night planned out. Uh, isn't that nice? Yes. Isn't that nice? Yes. Yeah, they're going but, to Ken's birthday party. <laughs> Woohoo! Back in the prison, David is sitting about teaching the bloke with a pen all over his face how to cut hair. And then the hairy bloke comes in and the guards notice that he's behaving suspiciously. David causes a diversion with a pair of scissors that have gone missing, which allows the hairy bloke to palm the phone off to someone else before David says, oh no, actually, the scissors are here. The hairy bloke thanks David for looking out for him, and seeing as David did him a favour, he offers David a go on his phone. Was it his phone? Yes. And David is getting out soon, uh, so declines but appreciates the offer. Then later at home, Shona talks to Sarah about rearranging the wedding with David. She tries to call Max, but he just gets his voicemail, and then Max comes walking through the door, claiming to have been at Carol's. But then we see that he's got a text from someone called M., thanking him for spending time today. And once again, Coronation Street is teasing us with, with characters letter. who are known by their first initial. Who do you think it is? I've no idea. Do you think maybe it's uh, a relative of one of his dead parents? I thought it stood for Max. Maybe. You having fun there? Sure. <laughs> <laughs> Don't we always have fun on this podcast? So, David's about to get out, we assume. Yeah. This introduction of the hairy bloke and his gran, and his grand socks, and the phone seem to be a unnecessary diversion. You know what I'm afraid of? That that guy's going to get caught with the phone, and he's going to grasp David under, and David's going to have to stay in jail longer. Oh, snitches get stitches. Mm. Anyway. On to our final storyline tonight. Oh. Which is Sinead and Daniel. Uh, it was very well done. It was extremely well done. It was very well done. It was so heavy though. It was. <laughs> but, you, oh, dear. but you know what? I have to say, it was really the only heavy storyline this week. Because even the Asha stuff wasn't as heavy as it was last week no so it was kind of refreshing i was i was not as emotionally exhausted after watching coronation street this week as i was last week when we were just being hit over the head with you know after school special after after school special sort of storylines if you've been affected by the storyline storylines yes so monday Sinead and daniel talk are taking bertie for a walk Sinead is enjoying the fresh air. And then they bump into Kev, who's very awkward among them. It just doesn't know what to say, I think. Yeah, that was kind of weird, because it's just like, let's stick a red character in here to... Be awkward. To be awkward. Yeah, because he's like, are you all right? And, and, you know, how's it... You know, and it's like... Okay, cheerio then. And it's... 
like, oh, I'm so sorry. I shouldn't have asked that because that's a stupid question because you're dying of cancer. Oh, well, bye. Right. Sinead wants to enjoy life a little bit before her chemo starts again. Then Ken and Claudia are walking down the street talking about their wee excursions that they can go on outside Venice. Ken sees Daniel and Sinead and doesn't really hear what Claudia's saying. He isn't sure he can fly away given what's happening. And Claudia says this is why she loves him. Aw, isn't then, that sweet? Then Ken turns up uh, at Daniel and Sinead's. He's not going to go to Venice after all and Sinead is upset that he's missing out because of her. It's his 80th birthday after all. Mm-hmm. He should be out there with his family. Mm-hmm. She doesn't want people missing out, but Beth has an idea for making a bucket list and see if she can get, uh, and see if she can still do some of them. And Sinead thinks this is a great idea. Daniel suggests abseiling. Was he being serious? Do I you thought think? so. Beth has done that as well as potholing, apparently. What is potholing? Uh, going to caves and stuff. You mean spelunking? What? Spelunking. Potholing. Spelunking. They call it spelunking on the show, and that's that's the official spelunking. Potholing sounds like you're driving down a street in Michigan and hitting every single pothole. <laughs> or shoving weed. Or exploring the sewers of New Up York. Up your ass. <laughs> Not the sewers up your ass. Exploring the sewers of New York with the Ninja Turtles. She then goes through a list of other cancer patients and can't believe that she's achieved so much. Well, another cancer patient has Has done all these things. Right. This seems to put Sinead off the idea. She doesn't want to do any of these brave things. She's dying and she'd rather just veg out on the sofa. She'll die as she lived, she says. Boring. Oh, Oof. which was sad. <laughs> so sad. In the rovers, Ken breaks the news to Claudia, who takes it reasonably well, and then Ken leaves. All that money, says Audrey, and she suggests Claudia goes herself, but Claudia wanted to spoil Ken. Audrey thinks Italy doesn't have a monopoly on fun, and thinks maybe this calls for a fucking awesome party, y'all. Yeah, yeah, a surprise birthday party, because we haven't had one of those in... A week? Episodes. Literally episodes. <laughs> Plans are underway for Ken's party. He stumbles into the middle of it and Johnny asks him about vegan sausage rolls, which forces Claudia into admitting the plans. Ken is shocked and apologises to Daniel. He had no idea. Well, Daniel did, and better yet, he has an idea that might get Sinead involved. Remember last time Daniel had an idea? Well... It involved Kirk dressed as a vampire officiating a non-wedding in the community <laughs> garden. <laughs> so, so Daniel... <laughs> I forgot, I forgot I wrote that. That's, that's, that's kind of funny. Daniel has let Sinead make the tea. Well done, Daniel. She apologises for earlier, then reminds him about this round of chemo potentially being her last, which means she may not have that long left. And Daniel says that they need to make every moment count. On Wednesday then, Daniel and Sinead are at the hospital for... I'm not sure why, just a follow-up. They talk about the family party that's coming up and the doctor says they won't be going ahead with the chemo. But meanwhile, Rita, Audrey and Claudia are singing a song for Ken's 80th. And Rita threatens Ken with the bumps. And I didn't know what that meant. Is On it your like birthday. birthday spankings? It's punches to the back. Oh, so you don't spank, you punch. Right. That and not sounds... on the buttocks, on the, the back. Yeah, that sounds... Less kinky and more violent. Yeah. So the doctor says that Sinead's cancer hasn't responded to the treatment, so it's not safe to proceed. 
and Daniels is confused as Sinead. She's dying, what's the danger? And the doctor explains it'll affect her quality of life far too much. All that's left is comfort, pain relief and palliative care. There's no treatment. She doesn't have months to live anymore. She probably has only a small number of weeks. Then back home, Sinead and Daniel try to come to terms with this information. Four months was bad enough, says Sinead. She'd been hoping for six. And Daniel's scared. He's never been the strongest, but now he's terrified. Did you find Daniel kind of obnoxious in the doctor's office? No, he was just clutching for clutching at straws, really, wasn't he? Well, real, like when the doctor comes comes in, and I don't even know if he's a doctor because they don't call him doctor. Anything. I think he's a they consultant. Call him Mister something. Yes, yeah, so he's a consultant, which is weird. Um, he's like, oh, so I was just telling the wife here that she should go get a blowout on her hair. What do you think? And it's like, who does that? Would you do that when the doctor comes in and say, hey, my wife, I'm trying to convince my wife to get her hair done. Can you help me convince my wife to get her hair done? You would never do that. No human being would do that. Daniel is so obnoxious some of these times where he kind of treats Sinead like a child. And it's annoying. Yeah, he's always done that. Yeah, he has. Sinead wants to get ready for Ken's 80th. They can't not go now. Daniel is worried about her immune system, but Sinead doesn't care. Daniel reveals that this was supposed to be Bertie's first birthday too. And Beth's put her heart and soul into making that happen. And that makes up Sinead's mind, and she'll act surprised. It'll just take a couple of hours. They can give Ken that. And Sinead goes off to get ready while Daniel looks at the kitchen calendar, realising that the date of his wife's death is probably on it. And so he rips it up. That was pretty powerful. And again, so obnoxious. She's like, no, I want to go. No, no, I won't allow it. I want to keep you all to myself. And it's like she's got weeks to live. She wants to spend time with the rest of her family. Stop being so fucking selfish, Daniel. Mm, I don't think it's been selfish. I, I think, think it's, it's just being selfish. trying because to he do says, the best thing. He literally says, I want to keep you all to myself. He says that. And that's selfish. In the bedroom, Sinead is using spoons on Daniel's eyes (laughs) to reduce the swelling. And she's left to comfort him. Because he's selfish. Uh, Then the man of the moment arrives at the rovers. What's your secret? Asks Johnny. Resist everything except temptation, says Ken, the old lungbag. Claudia reveals that Norris is there for the celebration and he's not alone. There's a lovely message from Emily on Skype. She wishes she could be with him in person, but apparently she couldn't be asked travelling down from Edinburgh. Right, Nora, and what she said that Nora says, no, you don't. <laughs> it's like, Nora, you could be polite, just, you know, go along with it. He promises to visit her and knows that it's going to be her 90th next week. Claudia rudely interrupts, and so they hang up on Emily. And that's the whole Emily bit. Are you fucking kidding me? Yeah, that was annoying. That was really, really annoying. I've been looking forward to this for weeks. <laughs> Seeing Emily again. Yeah, you see her on a screen. On a screen for like 25 seconds. Seriously, it wasn't even that very... It wasn't like they It wasn't like they set her up on a table so that she could watch everything and, and enjoy it and everything. No, cheerio. Bye. <laughs> Hang up on her. It was nice to see Norris again, though. Even though he didn't bring Frida, because Frida has a mahjong right. tournament. Of course week. she does. Because she's all about the Chinese. And comes Sinead and Daniel, and they all gather around to make sure she's okay in that. And through the back of the rovers, uh, Bertie's birthday party is 
uh, awaiting Sinead. And she's very teary and announces to everyone that her miracle didn't happen and she's going to be dead in a few weeks. And this kind of puts a damper on the party. Just she, a wee bit. Sinead apologises. Chez and Beth and Kirk are gutted. Daniel suggests they leave and Sinead agrees. So Johnny's dishing out the champers and when Ken comes back into the main pub, they all start singing for He's a Jolly Good Fellow, which is strange because they're allowed to sing Happy Birthday to you now. Ken isn't happy and explains to everyone about Sinead. And that's another party dead in the water. Ken is out back with Liz, lamenting that he initially disapproved of Sinead and Daniel. He did more than disapprove, Ken, I think. We bet. But now he thinks that she's the best thing, because he paid for an abortion, remember? Yeah. Yeah. And now he thinks that she's the best thing that ever happened to him. Then he continues in voiceover as we see Kirk, Beth, Craig, Chez and punters at the Rovers all upset. He feels guilty for living so long. What dreams she dreamed, what plans she made, he says. <sighs> Time is supposed to be a great healer, but it's not. You just learn to live in a new normal. They'll be there for Daniel. They won't be enough. And she'll be the face that he'll be missing. That was pretty good, actually. It was very good. And I'm really surprised that they didn't end the episode with that. That we don't go on to have other stuff go on after that. Because that was just so powerful. Yep. And it was so quiet afterwards. And that's how the episode should have ended. And yet they didn't do it that way. And I don't know why. I also am a little confused as to why Liz is now the conscience of Coronation Street because that's twice now that she has been the person that someone spills their heart and soul out to in the past two weeks and what is Liz to Ken they're not even friends are they yeah they're off an age they're off an age but they're not you never see them hang out so in the community garden Daniel and Sinead are reminiscing about that wedding that wasn't a wedding it really brought everyone together they meet another mother and kid who says things that end up inappropriate. And later, Sinead worries that Bertie will be different from the other kids because he won't have a mum. And Daniel says families come in different shapes and sizes. Just look at his. Then later, Chess turns up to see Sinead, but she's sleeping. And he breaks down in the flat. And Daniel tells him to pull himself together. He needs to be strong if he wants to speak to Sinead. Chess needs to Again, grow a pair of testes. Selfish. And quick, they have to be strong for her. It's so selfish of Daniel to not say, yeah, I know, I understand, you know, because Daniel has had some hissy fits and some crying and some weeping and some throwing things around about this as well. So you would think that he would be commiserating with Chesney in his grief as well. Yeah, that calendar's not going to put itself back together again, <laughs> that's for sure. It seems like he's a little bit pissed off that Chesney is so broken up. He's like, no, no, you're not allowed to be this upset because she's my woman now. I'm the one who's losing my wife. Well, maybe She's not it's, yours anymore. Maybe it's because he can't just let go of his emotions like that. Maybe he's feeling jealous of Chez. But he has let go of his emotions. Not like Chez. Chez was really, really upset. He's like ripping up calendars and sobbing. And remember when he, he was the one throwing glass. But not in front of anybody. He's, uh, all, he's doing it. Kind of privately. And I suppose that's true. Yeah, he, he, he doesn't do it in front of people. So I can see that. So it later, might have some, that might have something to do with it. Later, Sinead reveals that she heard Daniel tell Ches not to cry. Showing emotion doesn't make you weak. She tells him he has good people around him and he should let them in. When she's gone, he doesn't have to cope on his own. She tells him she's sorry for leaving them. There's no pain like this, but Bertie will be okay because he has Daniel. And tearfully, the hug. 
And that's how we end this week's episodes. During Ken's voiceover soliloquy, you know, when we see all these other people grieving, mm-hmm. I was especially touched. I, I was I was especially moved by the one with Chesney where he's sitting on the on the couch. With, oh yeah, with Gemma. And Gemma and, grabbed his hand and put it on her belly. Right, right, and that does not help. It should help because he could feel his quads moving around in her and stuff. Because obviously one of them kicked, and that's why she's doing it. But yes, I kind of remember there's life here as well. Right. There's yeah. life in the streets, not just death. And that has, and that doesn't seem, that doesn't seem to bring any sort of joy to Chesney's face. And I'm like, oh, poor Gemma. Oh, not yet. But it's it's too raw to get any. Yeah, still. Anything to cheer you up, right? Still, you'd think that feeling your unborn one of your unborn children kick i just loved it uh Gemma did that yeah that was lovely because it's a because they're not together they're gonna get back together. I, I assume so but that was a kind of hand they're reaching more out or less sort together of now and, aren't they they sleep in the same room they I live that, in the same house i thought that was lovely they're having babies four of them yeah just one's a little bit wee yeah so yeah, so just weeks to go. So we thought that uh, she we was going to make it to Christmas. That's not going to happen. Unless there's a, you know, you never know. People, people tend to live longer than the weeks that they are given. You know, it tends to be the people that aren't given x amount of time. When doctors say, "Oh, we don't know," those are the people that tend to go rather quickly. I don't think they can maintain this level of heavy heavy emotion for much longer than a couple no, of weeks probably not because this going on until christmas would just oh, be unbearable it would, it would be horrid she's i think she's dead before the month's gone oh oh well <laughs> i mean not oh well i mean we knew that this character was leaving for a while now so i think we've kind of gotten used to the idea that she's dying it will be sad, but it won't really be sad for her. We'll be sad because we'll see be seeing these other characters be sad. Right, and react to it. Yeah. It's different how or it's it's interesting how a, a few weeks is so much different from a few months. Yes. Because in the grand scheme of things, both of them are no time at all. Right. But when you think that you have a couple of months like okay well let's plan this out and let's maybe do a few things let's let's try to live life but if you've only got a few weeks and you don't know you know she's not going to she's not going to try to get any travel in or anything which if you have a few months you might say okay let's spend the next couple of weeks we'll go on a road trip we'll go see all of the things we never got to see which is what i would do Mm mm-hmm you know, I would say, all right, let's let's rent an RV and let's hit the road for a couple of weeks. Let's let's go and hit all of these places that we haven't been to yet. Let's finish filling out the map. You've got a, a couple of months, and but <laughs> that, if you I think have the a danger couple is of weeks, that you're going to be Homer Simpson sitting on the couch watching ten pin bowling on the TV, right? Eating chips. Right, yeah. If you've only got a couple of weeks, you're not going to want to travel or do anything because then your fear would be that you would, that you would die during that. Right. During that, and then you'd be the grandmother in uh in um National Lampoon's Vacation, in the rocking chair up on top of the roof. 
<laughs> yeah, well, it finally comes back to a National Lampoon song, I guess. <laughs> what was your moment of the week? Cancel a little quick. Yeah, I agree. We, we we can't give it to anything. I mean... That was beautifully done. And, and at least, yes, it's in a storyline that we've given it to before, but we're giving it to Ken and... and we've never given... We've never given it to have Ken. Have we? No, I think we have. We've given it to the three-hander between Ken and Peter and Simon, but really Ken's involvement in that was minor. Right, so yes. This is probably our first Ken. Well, it's real Ken. 80 years young. Getting your first moment of the week. There you go. (laughs) You're welcome, Ken. So that's our moment Moment of the week. Moment of the week. Boring moment of the week, it's Emily. Emily. No. Emily's Skype call was just so dull. There was no point in doing it. If you're going to make it that dull. I was going to say the gardening. Or, um, oh, or Robert. <laughs> sitting in that bar, and yeah, Michelle turning up as well. because that was that was just really boring, and it made the whole you know phone call and the setup of the interview a whole nothing burger, where you were expecting a payoff there and you don't get it. A nothing burger that takes was a nothing. Stupid. That was really that was worse than Emily. Okay, Let's... fine. So Robert sitting in the bar like a tit. <laughs> That's our boring moment of the week. Boring moment of the week. Shall we wrap this up? Yes, please. Okay, you've made it this far. There's a couple of things you can do for us now. Please rate Woo-hoo! and review on iTunes or your podcast provider of choice. Send us your thoughts. We'll probably read them out. Preferably on email, we're the talk of the street at gmail.com. And that's also how you can leave us a Skype voicemail or drop a couple of bucks into our virtual tip jar on PayPal. We are Corey Podcast on Twitter, Facebook, and Insta. And there's a blog somewhere, but the less said about that, the better. Thanks for making it Absolutely. to the end of another episode. We'll be back probably a little late next week, maybe on Saturday, with more Talk of the Street. Bye. Bye-bye. This episode was brought to you by Donahue Solicitors, an award-winning firm of expert compensation claims lawyers. Donahue Solicitors represents claimants throughout England and Wales in their civil actions against the police, data breach, personal injury, and professional negligence claims. To start your compensation claim, go to www.donahue-solicitors.co.uk or call 08000-124-246 today.